0: Please listen carefully.
1: Psych Essentials is a show about learning psychiatry. It's fun and educational, but should not be taken as medical advice or opinion. So kick back and try not to worry about those glaring ego deficits. We like you anyway. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, James.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Psych Essentials. We are on episode three out of three as we march our way through the personality disorders. So back in episode 35, we talked about the personality disorders as an overview, and then we've been talking about each cluster individually. This is cluster C. Hey, what granola did you bring for this one?
1: Chocolate coconut.
2: Ooh, a chocolate coconut with C's? Yes. sounds very apropos. (laughs) It does indeed. All right, let's get into cluster C. So... Remind us again, what are the different personality disorders that fall under this category?
1: Right. So there are three of them. We have avoidant, dependent, and obsessive compulsive.
2: Okay. And in general, these types of individuals experience a lot of anxiety. They experience rigidity or need for certainty in their life. What else would you say characterizes people with personality disorders like this?
1: Sometimes they can be somewhat needy or even clingy. They have a strong need to be taken care of by others. Some patients with cluster C personality disorders have pretty low self-esteem. And like you said, there's just a lot of anxiety, but the cause of it can be variable depending on the specific cluster C personality disorder. For dependent personality disorder, typically there's a fear of being alone, fear of being abandoned even. For patients with obsessive compulsive personality disorder there's often a fear of losing control or, or loss of order and then for avoidant personality disorder there's a, a fear of being judged by others.
2: Nice. I think that's a good way to point out that anxiety is not anxiety is not anxiety, right? There's mm-hmm. actual nuance that falls into some of this. Definitely. You imagine living life with a lot of uncertainty and it feels scary. I think the world can just seem kind of uncertain and it would be a really hard place to come from.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think people without cluster C personality disorders or people who don't suffer from significant anxiety. I mean, it's easy to forget how much uncertainty we all tolerate on a daily basis. Like even when we cross the street, you know, there's technically like a 0.0001% chance that we could get struck by a car. And yet we, we tolerate that uncertainty. These people are very aware of all the uncertainty in the world and have a hard time tolerating it.
2: Yeah. And that's something that helps me develop empathy as I think about, huh, like this would be a really, really challenging thing to live with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I think a lot of it's also pretty internal and it doesn't always come out outwardly Mm -hmm. in a really verbal way like it can with people with, for instance, with cluster B personality disorder. Yeah. That said, these characteristics do Come out in medical settings because anxiety causes distress and it can absolutely interfere with interactions, including doctor-patient relationships. You may notice that even as you attempt to reassure people in a way that might work with most people, it just it never seems like enough or it's not right, and it can be hard to develop a good relationship with someone. As we break down some of the symptoms, I also want to again point out the article from the American Academy of Family Physicians. It's a good one. As before, we have got our hands on some totally real, live, fictional audio tapes. In this case, we have three patients in three situations, and they're going to play out some interactions. Not a spoiler. These are patients with cluster C personality, either traits or disorders. The goal isn't necessarily to figure out which one. It's to find where the doctor said something, and you think they could have said it differently or maybe what you would have said.
1: Let's get to it.
2: Let's get into it.
1: Hi there. My name's Dr. Lindsay. It's nice to meet you. I see you're a new patient in our clinic and that you're coming in for pain with urination. Um, Yeah. Um, Can you tell me more about that? Hello? Are you there? Um, I, um, well... You you just can't sit there the, the whole time silent like that. Come on with it. I'm really busy. I have lots of other patients to see.
2: Okay, so cluster C patients may struggle to communicate with people they don't know. They might feel judged. So your impatience is likely to be perceived as criticism, and then that's gonna help people feel shut down and kind of rejected. In fact, they might not come back to you because they feel rejected. So in this case, I would encourage the doctor to be patient, to provide reassurance, and to encourage them to report sort of the symptoms or concerns they're having.
1: Thanks for coming in today. I know that coming to a new doctor can be an overwhelming experience for a lot of people. It can be hard to say what's on your mind or think clearly when you're feeling so overwhelmed. And I definitely think I can help you. So to start, it would be really helpful if you could tell me more about your urinary pain.
0: Uh, Yeah, um, it's very anxiety provoking for me when I'm meeting new doctors. Um, So what exactly would you like to know about uh, my problem? Okay,
2: nice. So in this situation, the doctor was empathic. She provided reassurance. She validated or understood the concerns. She encouraged the patient to report the symptoms. And Dr. Lindsay was really patient and explained what she was thinking, which helped the patient reduce their uncertainty. Okay, let's fast forward to another scenario.
0: Um, Hey, doc. So I'm just so upset about the stomach pain that I'm having. And so... Can you just please tell me that it's not serious?
1: Yeah, so we've done a thorough workup, and it It looks like it's due to constipation. We can get you some medication for that, and you'll be good to go. Are you sure about that? I just, like, really feel like it might be something more. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure it's due to constipation.
0: Pretty sure? So it might not be? I mean, what if it's not? What if it's something that's going to kill me? I mean, what if I die in my sleep? You know, I don't think I can go home. What if something terrible happens to me once I leave here? I really think you're good to go home. Doctor, I need you to call me each day for a check-in. Just 30 minutes to one hour each day. It, it'll really make me feel much better. And I, I, I know that I could get better then. I
1: really think it would make a lot more sense if your family just checked in with you. No, um,
0: I don't have any family in town. And so I just live totally by myself. And you're actually the only one who can help me. And so you know what would actually be better, I guess, is that I could just call you. So um, what's your cell
1: phone number? I'm the only one who can help? Uh, I, I guess I'll give you my personal number if that's the only way.
2: Okay, uh, no. I get it. They're asking for things. They're looking for your help. Do not become overly involved with this patient. Here, it's important to set realistic limits with patients and, and watch your boundaries. What is possible for you? What is starting to step outside of that Instead, one tool you can use is to reflect the patient's emotions and to provide some reasonable reassurance when that's appropriate. So let's let's rewind.
0: So doctor, I need you to call me each day for a check-in. So just like 30 minutes to maybe like one hour each day. And it'll really make me feel better. I, I just know that I could get better then.
1: You know, it really sounds like you're feeling afraid and, and you worry that something bad's going to happen we can feel reassured that we've ruled out all emergency causes of stomach pain. Oh, God, that's such a relief. Um, So what about checking in on me? So I just want to be upfront with you. I'm not able to call you every day at home. Before you leave, we'll make sure that you have an appointment scheduled to see me again in the future. And also, as you know, your case manager is available, and you can send them e-messages about your health if you're concerned. But it's not an emergency. Okay, yeah, I guess that works too.
2: Okay, nice. So here, Dr. Lindsay provided clear but firm reassurance. She set limits on how available she's going to be, and she enlisted the help of other people to help the patient. It is useful to schedule follow-up for the patients, and sometimes with frequent check-ins. Let's fast forward. We're going to go to the next scenario.
0: So, um, Dr. Lindsay, um, I have been doing a lot of reading about multiple endocrine um, neoplasia. And I just, I think I really need to talk with you about it. What? Why? Well, I mean, I'm
1: pretty sure that I have it. Um, Trust me. I'm not worried about it. It's usually congenital. It's super rare. Let's talk about more realistic concerns.
2: Okay, no. So in this situation, dismissing the patient's concerns immediately is pretty invalidating. So instead, you'd want to complete a a thorough history exam exam. Uh, And and you can provide reassurance while you're providing an explanation of your reasoning. So let's fast forward um, a little bit until after the doctor has done that.
0: Okay, Doc. Well, thanks for explaining all that info about multiple endocrine neoplasia to me. I guess I feel a little better. Um, But can you be like 100% certain that it's not
1: that? I mean, I read a lot online. Well... I guess anything's possible. I mean, you never know in medicine. It's hard to be 100% certain. We'll see.
2: Okay, so at the same time, you also don't want to overemphasize uncertainty. I mean, it's okay to be clear about what's true and what you know. And you can be firm, for instance, about ordering tests if it, if it wouldn't be necessary.
1: So this is good news. I'm really happy that you don't meet criteria for multiple endocrine neoplasia. I'm confident that it's not the cause of your symptoms.
0: So, Doc, can we review all the different manifestations of multiple endocrine neoplasia together for the next hour? I want you to read them aloud to me, and I will repeat them back. And then I want to have them all
1: memorized. Will that help you to calm down? Yes. Yes. That's what I expect from doctors.
2: Okay, so this is kind of a subtle point, but being aware that sometimes checking and rechecking information is actually not helpful, and it can be part of obsession thinking that patients can fall into. So you want to be thorough and you want to be polite and also set limits on your time. You can encourage participation in care without necessarily leading to more thinking or more worrying. So let's rewind and see what Dr. Lindsay says
1: other patients to see, and because of that, I can't review MEN more with you today. One thing you're really good at is paying attention to what's going on with your body. And since we think that most of your dizziness is due to not drinking enough fluids, it would be really helpful for you to monitor when you're drinking water throughout the day. So do you think you could bring that into our next appointment, like a log? Ooh, an assignment. Yes, that sounds like a great
0: idea. I will bring back a full report for next time.
2: All right. Yes. So in this case, providing an assignment to this particular patient can help to increase her participation in her care and her sense of control. I mean, one nuance here is that you're not assigning them to read any more about any possible illness or every symptoms that you're having. You're you're pretty specifically directing their desire to take part in their health care towards one, the specific illness that you think is most likely, And two, towards generally positive health monitoring behaviors. So this is appropriate in every person every time. No, but this particular case illustrates a certain patient with a certain type of illness and you're responding to that. All right. What did you notice as we listened to each of those three?
1: I guess the first thing that I noticed is that patients with cluster A personality disorders and cluster B personality disorders, these patients, patients with cluster C personality disorders, are challenging. They seemed anxious, uncertain, somewhat rigid. And so I think patients with cluster C personality disorders may evoke in us sometimes an impulse to avoid them or even to become upset or really frustrated with them. These examples speak to how difficult it can be to create an effective working relationship with them. And yet despite all of that, these patients still, like, really, really, really need our care.
2: Absolutely. I totally agree. One of the strategies that can go really far here is looking to empathize or understand Yep. why you feeling the way that you're feeling. Like, what's going on? What is your concern?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How can I help you think about it or address it? Yep. I think empathy goes a long way.
1: Yeah. For sure. And then, you know, like we've said with the past two episodes, you know, these examples aren't the only way to interact with patients with cluster C personality disorders. It's not the right way or the perfect way. As we've said time and time again, you're going to mess up at times like we all do. And that's okay. But again, acknowledging your mistakes, trying to understand where the other person is coming from, kind of working through that is really helpful.
2: Definitely. As you understand some of the things they're going through. With your interaction, that can be really helpful as you think about how this person is going about their day-to-day life and how they're interacting with other people and maybe some of the challenges that they're running into.
1: So what are our takeaways here?
2: Being reassuring when it's appropriate is useful. Yeah. Yeah. Helping people understand that while there can be some uncertainty in the world, it's not limitless. And and so not overemphasizing the fact that we don't know anything. We do know some things. We
1: do know some things, right.
2: And to that end, being clear about having limits, about Mm -hmm. having regular check-ins, about being clear and professional as usual. And ultimately, really working to understand what's going on for them and why they're experiencing what they're experiencing.
1: I think that last point is something to, to really bring to your interactions with all personality disorders, really and all patients in general. It's just a good strategy to create good rapport.
2: Absolutely. I don't think you can do it too much. Hey, that brings us to the end of Cluster C and to the end of personality disorders. Oh, it's been a journey. Yes, it has. I, I also want to toss out a special thanks again to our guest, vocalist. Dr. Kalen. Thanks for sticking with us. We're glad you're here. And in the meanwhile, we hope that you will check out our website and let us know what you'd like to hear more about. We've got lots of new topics coming your way. Our website is
1: www.psychessentials.org.
2: You can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. We're at Psych Essentials. Lindsay is killing it on the Twitter game these days killing it. You can also check us out on iTunes where you can rate, comment, and share Psych Essentials with all of the people in your life, personality disorders or not. Our music is by Javier Suarez off his album Tumbling Dishes. There's always a link on our website. The people, places, and details in this episode were fictional. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Till next time. Bye.